Guardian Unlimited. French Grand Prix and Ferrari score their first 1-2 since the German Grand Prix a year ago. Lewis Hamilton finishes third to extend his lead in the World Championship over his McLaren teammate Fernando Alonso, who only finishes seventh. Hello and welcome to the French Grand Prix, to the Formula One show on Guardian Unlimited. This is Morris Hamilton from BBC Radio 5 Live in The Observer. Reflecting on this race, the round eight of the championship at the midway point in the season, as ever, I've got Ian Phillips, the business affairs manager of Spiker, with me to look at, Ian, what is a remarkable resurgence by Ferrari. We thought they were on the back foot a little bit the last two races in North America, but boy, what a comeback. Yeah, I mean, it's actually it's three races, Morris. We've been wondering where six-tenths of a second of lap advantage that they had in Barcelona just evaporated. And after three races, I, I think we both reckoned after Indianapolis, it had gone. I uh, did see a bit of a hint that uh, they were coming back at the recent Silverstone test, um, which we did just after the American race in preparation for next week's Grand Prix. It looked like they were okay, but McLaren didn't send any of their... They only had test drivers going round, so it's a bit difficult to, to judge. But they've been well and truly on the pace, really, since the track opened on, on Friday morning. And a pretty resounding result, to be honest. Now, even a bigger surprise, in a way, is that it wasn't Felipe Massa, who, of course, had pole position here as fourth of the season, who won the race. It was Kimi Raikkonen who came through and got the faster laps in on the second stint, Didn't wasn't bothered quite so much by traffic as Massa was, and won his second race of the season. Yeah, very impressive performance by Kimi, and something we've been wondering if he was ever going to do anything like, like that again, to be honest. But you know, he got the opportunity, he banged in three really quick laps just when it counted. There was... I think there was about two seconds between them when it came up to the second round of pit stops. And OK, Massa did, did get a bit of, uh, bit of traffic, but part of being a racing driver is managing the traffic. And what Raikkonen did was, you know, the sort of thing that we expected or not expected, saw so often from uh, the man he replaced at Ferrari, Michael Schumacher. It was the one thing he was really, really good at. Just when he thought everything was dead and buried, he could dig something out and uh, and produce the win. And uh, Kimi did exactly that. And yeah, it's it's great for the championship, isn't it? I mean, he's he's back on form. Ferrari are back on form. They've got a, uh, a bit to catch up on uh, McLaren in terms of constructors' championship points. But, you know, we've now had, you know, Kimi's won a couple of races, Massa's won a couple, Hamilton's won a couple, Alonso's won one. I mean, we haven't had a championship like this for ages, have we? No, and, and it is sort of nip and tuck at the front. I mean, even at the very start of the race, we had, uh, as I said, Felipe Massa was on pole, and it looked like the race was his for the taking because it was clear Ferrari had the legs of McLaren in comparative terms. We're only talking hundreds of a second, perhaps, but in comparative terms, they had it here and looked like Massa should do it because Raikkonen was third in the grid, but uh, he made a fantastic getaway. I mean, a really good start admittedly on the clean side of the track Ian but that start sealed it for him didn't it yeah it did it was a, it was a great start I don't know whether Hamilton made a bad one 
or uh, Kimmy just made a really, really good one. But, you know, as so often, it's the start that counts, and he did make it count. I think Hamilton was just perhaps a tiny little bit slow away. He was on the, the not very good side of uh, of the track, but but that sealed it. And as you say, there wasn't a massive difference in, in terms of performance Ferrari against McLaren, but once the two Ferraris had got in front, they were really going to dictate the pace. And remember, actually, Hamilton had, was it two or three laps less fuel? I mean, he he should have been quicker at uh, at that point. So Ferrari had got a definite edge here. It might only been, as you say, a tenth or a couple of tenths, but it was enough, providing the drivers drove well and sensibly, and, and both uh, Massa and Raikkonen did, and they were able to seal it really before the first pit stop. And we'll get on to McLaren and Hamilton in a minute, Ian, but before we close in Ferrari, I think we should say one thing, and that is about Raikkonen. I think this drive today finally should put an end to the rumours which have been mounting, uh, one has to say. We've had seven races, uh, and this is the eighth one, where after Melbourne it didn't seem to be happening for him. There were all sorts of suggestions that Ferrari were going to move him on and take somebody else in their place. But I think he's answered all that now, and, it sh- and that should... Inc- it, not that his, You never know with Kimmy, he's such a cold character, you never know whether he's up or down, but whatever, he should be really up for it now going to Silverstone next week. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that was a resounding answer to the critics. Listen, guys, I'm still around. I can still do it. Whatever's gone in the last seven races, just forget it. I'm back now. And, you know, he was quick at the Silverstone test the other day. There is a man brimful of confidence. And providing he doesn't over-celebrate tonight and <laughs> turn up in Northamptonshire with a hangover on Friday, then uh, one would suggest that he's going to be in the mix, you know, certainly for, for the rest of the season. Now, looking at McLaren this weekend, Ian, is one of those classic examples of when your luck's down, it really is down, because A, they were slightly off the pace compared to Ferrari, but things went wrong, which was most unlike McLaren. They've been incredibly reliable, running like clockwork all season, and suddenly, and fra- practice starts on Friday, you've got Lewis Hamilton stopping out in the track because his engine protective system has closed it down because the oil temperature's too cold. Then on Saturday in free practice, you had a brake sensor go on uh, Fernando Alonso's car, and that meant he only did two laps in that session. And then, critically, the gearbox failed just as he was into the third part of qualifying yesterday and that put him tense on the grid and that gearbox failure by the way was pretty comprehensive because I, I understand that it took them three to four hours to actually lever the gearbox off the back of the engine it was welded on last night so a big failure for them and it just was going from bad to worse and then we've got Hamilton on the outside of the front row makes a bad start he says he doesn't know quite what happened he just didn't get away cleanly he's down to third place never recovers and Alonso fighting like crazy we'll talk about him in a minute about his actual race but McLaren really were slightly by their standard on the back foot yes I think it's by their standard Morris I mean they've had three absolutely immaculate weekends uh, Monaco uh, Canada and, and Indianapolis things worked absolutely like a, like a dream for them yeah the thing is everybody's absolutely on the edge and you're just pushing the envelope of performance as far as you can both technically and in terms of human beings as well and we've had a hell of a schedule I mean we got back from Indianapolis uh, Monday morning Tuesday morning we were all at Silverstone pounding around for another three days and the cars had to leave to come here on Sunday I mean you'd, the, the schedule that we're being asked to perform is is pretty tough and however big and however organized you are there's 
gremlins are bound to creep in just because you're so everything is so much on the edge i think they're going to reflect on this weekend well you know we had a catalogue of relative disasters which conspired against us hopefully it was all in the space of just weekend just this one weekend we'll regroup at silverstone and everything will be all right i mean it's it's so comparative really because of those immaculate weekends they've had running running up to this um at the end of the day they've come out of it and they're still in the lead of uh championships and and so on so they haven't lost an awful lot and they'll think to themselves well okay we we've had an off weekend and you know put it behind us and, and move on I, I they'll they'll know the reasons for why everything everything went wrong and i'm sure they'll turn up at silverstone uh, certainly on their guard, because I think what will have caught them by surprise is the pace of Ferrari this weekend. Mm. One thing I would say, one question mark I would put against them, in, Ian, is that you have uh, you had Lewis Hamilton there in third place, and he really wasn't able to do a lot about the Ferraris. And then for some reason, I'm not sure quite why it is, maybe you can uh, enlighten us on this, maybe something to do with tyres, but they put him suddenly from a two-stop to a three-stop strategy. And when he came out of the pits at the end of the third stop, he nearly lost third place to Robert Kubica. We'll talk about the overtaking move in a second. But I was surprised by that, were you? Yes, I was, to be honest. Uh, Manicor is, uh, you know, a regular two-stop race, really. And I, I just, I thought at the time, maybe that the McLaren didn't like the harder of the two Bridgestone uh, tyre compounds that, that were here, and they wanted him on as, as few laps as possible on, on that tyre and get him back on the, on the soft one, because the rules this year dictate that you must use both types of tyre that are available at some stage in the race. I, I, I don't know. It, it was a curious decision. It was it was a gamble. It didn't let them down. It wasn't going to make any difference. He's, he he started third, if you like, and, and, and finished third. But as you say, he very, very nearly lost that place to uh, Robert Kubica at the end of his third stop. Which, which leads us nicely into the point that uh, McLaren certainly cannot complain about the, the driving and the effort of the two drivers because we saw two absolutely fantastic overtaking manoeuvres today. Uh, Lewis Hamilton first coming out of the pits, side by side with Robert Kubica. He knows he has to get ahead of him and he takes him under braking for the uh, hairpin and leaves it till the last minute. And Robert's no easy, no pushover, as Lewis Hamilton <laughs> will, will know full well. And yet he sat out with him and took it in a really lovely move, nearly locking the right front, but not not quite that's a secret he can just break so late yeah i mean again this is probably the toughest race that lewis has had uh realistically all right in monaco he was chasing round after his teammate but wasn't under threat from from anybody else he had to actually work very hard for for third place here much harder than he had to work for either for either of his wins uh really but yet again he he absolutely didn't put a foot wrong did he and i mean he's you know brave as you like anywhere taking on a guy like kibitza you know brave boy as well they the young guys that are coming, you know, Kibitz is a bit like uh, Lewis. He's one of the one of the new breed. He's not going to give in to uh, give in to anybody. And it, it was great stuff. It, it's not often that we can say after a French Grand Prix here at Manicourt, Maurice, that we've seen a scintillating <laughs> race or, or great driving because it is a, a cr absolutely chronic circuit. Whoever did the geometry on it obviously had far too much of the local Sancerre the night before and, <laughs> and had his uh, protractor and compass the wrong way around when he designed this place. It's, it's never actually produced much good racing, but it really did today. Well, and part of that also was due to Fernando Alonso because there he was saddled with 10th place in the grid. He had it all to do during the race and he fought like crazy. He was fighting hard from the moment the race started, but on 
unfortunately every time he made a pit stop he came out he was stuck in traffic but his move you, you're talking about the layout of the circuit there's that very fast Imola chicane on the back leg that come into it at about 150 and the uh, first apex is blind and he took he decided there to go down the inside of Nick Heidfeld having tried everything and what a what a sterling move I mean that guy just goes racing doesn't he yeah he, he does and I, I think it goes to prove actually people talk about there's no overtaking in Formula 1 if a driver wants to overtake he'll find a place you know the Saga Holidays Brigade that f uh, pack out the uh, the midfield would actually say well of course it's not possible to overtake at this circuit when a guy wants to overtake and remember the McLaren wasn't had no kind of real superiority uh, this weekend I mean even compared with the BMWs to be honest I mean they it's not the superiority they used to. The drivers had to drive the cars. And Alonso, it was probably almost the toughest race of his career, to be honest. I mean, those, those years at, uh, at Renault, he was out front and never really bothered other than his, his, his teammate. Never, you know, he had to fight Michael Schumacher a few times. But I can't remember him having to drive 70-odd laps contending with all sorts of people that he hasn't seen in races for, for the last three years. You know, and he was giving it absolutely everything. I mean, the guy's fired up, absolutely no doubt about it. And he comes away at the end of it, seventh place and two points. But who knows, this season is so tight that those two points could be so critical by the time we get to Brazil at the end of the year. Oh, yeah, I, I, I believe so. I mean, I, I think if he'd been a, in a bit of a sulky mood, he might just not, not really have, have bothered. But, I mean, as as we said he fought really hard and at the end of the day he only got two points for it I mean he would reflect on that and say well I should have got 12 for it if they were available <laughs> but uh, no I, th I think it shows that he, has, he hasn't given up he knows there's a lot of legs left in this championship yet and you know he's in a car and in a team that, that can do it things went wrong for him yesterday but he showed a, an awful lot of fight and uh, you know I think that's great as we go into the second half of the year Moving away from uh, McLaren and Ferrari, looking at the rest of the field, of course, until now we've been always talking about BMW as the third best team. But uh, like Ferrari, Renault have been doing their homework as well and very keen, that they're very conscious that they've had to do a lot of work to make the car competitive, which they appear in to have done with the way the car went. They were occupying the third row of the grid here. But in the end, uh, Giancarlo Fisichella, uh, the pit stop strategy didn't quite work out for him. He lost a couple of places, dropped behind the two BMWs, and Heike Kovalainen was was involved in a collision on, on the first lap and that dropped him way down the field. He eventually finished 15th. But it did seem, Ian, that Renault have made a bit of a movement towards BMW, but BMW is still there and a great performance by Kubica over Heidfeld. Yeah, BMW were, were strong, particularly in the race. I Somehow, I don't know why, but I expected them to be a bit quicker in, in qualifying. Heidfeld uh, supposedly had a, a bit of a back injury from his trip through the gravel trap in Indianapolis um, I don't wear that one particularly but anyway in, in, in the race the two of them were pretty strong and they had a bit of fighting to do they, Alonso was um, around them all the time but actually they, they came good, they came really really good and I know Renault are saying we're on their, their pace for sure they made a, a leap forward and I now know that the, the car is doing on the track what the wind tunnel says it ought to be doing and it hadn't been for uh, for a while this season they're, they're on track they're a bit behind in in development but i i suspect they're going to take the fight to uh, to bmw now for the for the second half of the season i thought physicaller actually did a, a pretty good job uh, you know 
he had to race again he had to fight didn't he and some sometimes you have a feeling that he gives it all away but you know he's he's expecting his contract to be renewed sometime in the next next two or three weeks and i think if he'd have surrendered uh, a place this afternoon mr briatore would not been a happy boy but i thought he he drove pretty hard and um, you know I think they can be pretty happy with with sixth place but BMW I think will be ecstatic with uh, with fourth and fifth and a great comeback by Robert Kubica after that uh, horrendous shunt in in Montreal yes he was fourth in the grid and that was his best qualifying position so it showed that certainly Montreal had done nothing to slow him down any so a great performance by them and as you say halfway point in the season there's Renault closing the gap on BMW so all to play for in that little scrap Finishing eighth here in the French Grand Prix, scoring their first point of the season, and well-deserved too, Ian, you have to say, it was Jensen Button uh, finishing eighth for Honda. They'd also done a lot of revision. They'd been testing at Jerez in Spain, done a lot of work on the car, but it wasn't just simply, I think, the car that improved. I think Button really used it well. His, do you see his lap times towards the end? They were very impressive, weren't they? Yeah, they were. I, I, they did have it. They went and tested on their own down in Spain, which is always an odd thing to do uh, because you've got dirty circuits and you, you can't really get um, a true picture of what's going on while the other nine teams are pounding round Silverstone. Uh, and I couldn't really see in qualifying that a lot had changed. But I suddenly noticed about 10 laps into the race that Jensen was putting in some absolutely great lap times and it continued all the way through and you, you could almost feel that he was a guy growing in confidence as as the race went on and hang on maybe this car isn't such a dog after after all and you know he's obviously he's going to be thinking well i've got silverstone next week and had things continued as, as we've seen in the first seven races he'd probably rather not be going because you know hamilton's getting all the acclaim and so on but you know he scored his first championship point of the season and i thought they showed really really good pace and you know maybe he's going to be in the frame come come silverstone which is going to be very worrying for the likes of you know williams and toyota people who've actually been thrashing honda up until now well yeah talking about williams because we had uh, nico rosberg finished ninth and he kind of just sort of slipped out of the reckoning he was up in the top six for a bit then just gradually dropped back and and maybe that sums williams up because there he was then just ahead of this well there's a very mediocre midfield bunch am i being too polite eh? Well, I, I think you are, to be honest. I mean, I, I looked and there was Ralph Schumacher, Rubens Barrichello, Mark Webber, David Coulthard and, and Alex Wirtz. I mean, it was almost as if uh, somebody got a retirement home for me. I mean, it was just, I mean, listen, racing's tough and all the rest of it. And they, they were trying hard. But, you know, when you see all the new breed of people, you look at you look at that gang. Of the, I mean, they'd lost Jarno truly on the on the first lap because he ran into Kovalainen. And, well, he would have been in there in that in that mix as well. And you've got to say these guys have got to go um, you know let's bring on the young blood let's bring on the next Hamiltons and Kubitzas and so on because that's what racing racing's about today and you know those guys didn't really contribute anything to the show did they no, well, no, they didn't, actually. They were getting in the way, actually. I think uh, Felipe Massa will have a word or two to say about some of them, although they were in their own battle, but because of that, he couldn't get through, and that was one of his problems. Uh, and I think he'll be quite direct about that because he felt he had the pace. But just finishing off, just looking down the order, we had Takuma Sato, 16th. Uh, his teammate, Anthony Davidson, had been involved in a first-lap collision. He'd sparked it, actually. He'd gone into the back of uh, Tonio Liuzzi's Toro Rosso, spun Liuzzi around, and Liuzzi's car had collected Davidson. That was him out. But... Uh, 
Ian, your, your man Adrian Sutl uh, came home two laps down, but what about uh, Christian Albers? That was a spectacular moment when he made a premature exit from the pits. Well, spectacular. It was mighty worrying for uh, for the team. Um, you know, he just went early. The uh, the lollipop man hadn't waved him away. All he'd done was turn it over, and for some reason, other off off he went. And he took half the fuel rig uh, with him and a couple of guys. Thankfully, uh, there was there was no fire. There was quite a bit of fuel around, but all the shutoff valves did did well. And uh, the guys, one guy had two uh, air bottles fall on top of him, um, but luckily everybody recovered and and we got away with it but it was an absolute aberration by uh, by Christian to be honest and uh, you know he's round apologizing to uh, everybody in the team it's just one of those sometimes you know heat of the moment it sh it shouldn't happen it mustn't happen it made the team look silly but actually there wasn't anybody to blame other than the driver himself is this future all right with you well I mean, listen, you, you'll get a bit emotional after a race and things, things like that happen. Obviously, things aren't going Christian's way uh, right now. We're going straight into Silverstone, so that, you know, there's, there's no question. We, we've got to get on with it. Um, he's going he's gonna to be there. There's absolutely no doubt about it at all. You know, obviously, every, everybody thinks, has to think sort of slightly long term what, what's going on. But at, right now, there's absolutely... Uh, no plans to do anything other than to give Christian the best opportunity we can come to Silverstone next week. So, talking about Silverstone, Ian, who's going to do well? Because it looks like Ferrari are back on the case, but Lewis Hamilton is going to be riding the crest of a wave on the podium in all eight races. And novice, quite incredible. Looks like he should be able to continue it there. But you can't actually bet on that now because Ferrari are so strong again. Yeah, I mean, I think Lewis will have two tenths uh, of a second a lap just from the home crowd, which I think is the support, I think, is going to be absolutely sensational. But you're right, is the, is the Ferrari really back on terms? Because uh, if, if it is, then it's going to be one hell of a race. You know, Lewis's record is unbelievable, and he still really hasn't put a, a foot wrong. I think everybody knows his world is going to come crashing down at, at some stage or another because it's inevitable that, that it will. I hope that it's not going to be at Silverstone. I hope that's going to be his ninth podium uh, in, in a row. Which step he'll be on, very difficult. Far too close to call right now. There we have it. That was the uh, French Grand Prix at Manicure, round eight of the championship. Uh, Lewis Hamilton on the podium yet again. Uh, the six points he gets from this race puts him even further ahead at the head of the championship. He's got 64 points to the 50 for Fernando Alonso, who uh, fought really hard to come home and score his uh, two points for seventh place. Then we've got Felipe Massa, still third place on 47. But Kimi Räikkönen has closed the gap to 42 with his second win of the season and a timely one at that. The uh, combined total for the Constructors' Championship means that McLaren are still ahead, of course, on 114 points, but Ferrari have closed up to 89 at this halfway point in the season. Next week, it's the British Grand Prix at Silverstone. Uh, what a cracker of the race that's going to be. Ian and I will be back there, uh, so please join us then. But in the meantime, thanks very much for listening to the Formula One show on Guardian Unlimited. This is Morris Hamilton saying cheerio for now, and don't forget, keep the revs up. Safe motoring. See you then. Bye. Guardian Unlimited.